Hey guys, I'm Josh. Uh, I'm teaching today and have uh, been teaching for quite some time since this thing began in a living room in Armurchie some six years ago. Um, and if you don't know, I don't know, this is going to be the last time, at least for a while, that you'll hear me teach. And in fact, if you haven't heard the news, uh, my family is moving to Montana. We will be here next week, but I won't be teaching. I'll be, I'll be here. We'll get to hang out, that kind of stuff. Um, and then sometime in the middle of that next week, we'll be loading up and driving across country to Montana. And I will be starting a, a new endeavor, making it simple for people to connect to God in Montana. And uh, so we got that going on, which I'm, I'm sure, I mean, I, I don't think, just forewarning, I don't think I'm going to cry. I cried a couple of weeks ago. You can listen to the podcast if you want to hear me cry. I'm blubbered through it. I think, I think I'm past that. I'm not, not quite sure, but I, I, I think so. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Uh, if you're looking for that train wreck, you might, might get it. You might not. We'll see. Um, uh, now, I have been praying very specifically for next week that God would give me really bad allergies so I would be sneezing a lot because no one wants to hug someone who's constantly sneezing. And so we'll, we'll see how that goes. So, you know, you got that. You got that. And I'm sure even for all of us in some ways, there, there's some emotion in that, right? I mean, nothing else. You, you, you may think I'm weird. You may think I talk too fast, but you found some comfort in me teaching this, this book to you guys. If, you, if you're new here, we're going to keep doing that, okay? That, that's not changing. Um, in fact, we're going to find ourselves in Daniel chapter 3 today. We started 73 or so weeks ago in the book of Genesis, and we kind of just worked through. We got about five or six more weeks of the Old Testament, and then we'll be starting walking through the New Testament. Real quick reason for that, if you're wondering, is God says in Isaiah 55, his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways. As high as the heavens are from the earth, so his thoughts from our thoughts, ways from our ways. We just thought it makes sense for us to make sure that we'd figure out God's thoughts and ways, since they would make a lot more sense than our current thoughts and ways, even, even if you don't believe that there is a crater or that God, creator, not a crater, a, a creator or a God that exists. We all admit there's something messed up about how our life works. And so all of us would like some direction. So here we are working through that. So there is that. I'm, I'm sure there's some, some, some discomfort there. Now, at the same time, on, on the other side, which is just as complicated, uh, we're only going to be in this building uh, five more weeks. So, hey, I'm leaving, you know, and then all this stuff is also leaving, and you're going to leave, and we're going to go back to two cities. You heard Drew and Jared mention some of that earlier about going back. we got a place on Fifth Avenue in downtown Rome. We have a great facility up in uh, Somerville. Uh, we're CV, uh, behind CVS. We're Fred's and Attic Treasures. got a great place. They're working on some renovation plans. You've, you've been kind of caught up to speed on those things. But again, I'm sure uh, that probably uh, is causing some anxiety, I think, some reasonable amount. I like, I like pressure. I enjoy those things. Like I played basketball and I wanted the ball at the end of the game if it was close. I mean, I, I kind of, that's kind of the, the, the world that I, I love and thrive in. But I understand that's probably not how most people feel. I get that and understand that and, and definitely respect it. So I think uh, we probably should just acknowledge um, that there's probably um, a little bit of anxiety in this room. And I think there's a, you know, we've declared, you know, as I have personally, you've heard Drew and Jared and some of our staff declared that uh, 2015 is the year of obedience where we're just going to do what God says, right? I mean, like, if I had one prayer for you is that you would hear from God and you just do what he says. That would make the most sense to me, right? And so I'm saying my family... I think, unfortunately, is where I'm still at right now, but I think it might get to fortunately at one point is still saying, okay, my family has unfortunately heard that God is telling us to go to the frozen tundra up there. 
And so we're going to do that, right? And you're hearing from our staff saying, hey, we believe that, that we, to obey the Lord, we're supposed to go back to where people are, where we can love people who, are, who, who can't get here, right? I mean, like even as we look at the weather and the temperature and thinking, it is frozen outside. And we're saying, hey, yeah, we have a place for you. Go ahead and track over a mountain or track up all the way through our merchant and come sleep in our building, right? That makes a lot of sense for us. And so even as we look at those things, we, we believe and understand in terms of our mission, only mission we've ever had, which is make it simple for people to connect to God, which all means is we're removing all the obstacles that can keep people from seeing Jesus, which includes being hungry, which includes being cold, which is includes all those things, right? And so it's like, well, we believe that obediently we have to go. In fact, we believe, and I believe so wholeheartedly that I have to move to Montana and we have to go back to the cities, that I actually think you would be disobedient. We'd be disobedient if we didn't. And when I read through where we caught up to and see what happens for the Israelites and every people group who decides to stick their middle finger up at God and say, yeah, we hear your plan, but we got a better one. It never ends well, right? And so we're saying, hey, look, I want you to take heart. We're going to chase after this, and then we're going to obediently follow God. But I understand, and I just want to acknowledge that there has to be just a ton and ton of anxiety. And I'm sorry for that. Uh, I don't have any better answers than that at this very moment, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry that's the case. And I think there's one question that's probably looming that I want us to address today. My only agenda. I've got one agenda today, right? And this is the last time I'm preaching, so... Who knows? I hope yeah, y'all had a good breakfast. <laughs> I'm just joking, not at all. So anyway, um, uh, one question, and here, here's, here's the question I, I, um, I want us to answer. And I think by the time we, we, we get done to this, and I'm going to work through this really fast. Okay, this is, I think by the time we get done, here's a question we'll answer. For those of you who believe in Jesus, right? The rest of you, I promise you, stay with me. It's definitely worth your time. And I certainly believe that today could be the day that you could finally say, you know what, I believe Jesus is real and he's worth following because everything else I've followed just hasn't really panned out very well. So stay with me anyway, right? Here's the question. What if, what if God doesn't come through? What if we move back to Rome and Somerville and it's just a big mess? What if people don't show up? I mean, this is working for us, right? Well, what if this next move doesn't work? What if me not being the talking head, which I can't stand anyway, and is probably one of the biggest anxieties for me, because Jesus is our senior pastor, not me. Trust me, that is good news for you guys, because I guarantee you, well, I see some of you in here. I'm at least in the top five most messed up people in the room. Okay. Okay. Is that fair? <laughs> top five. Okay. I didn't mean to look to the right or the left. I'm going to try to look up now. But top five most messed up people in the room is on this stage. And so that's good news for you. While at the same time, I've been a source of comfort and confidence. So what if he doesn't come through? Right. So and Julie, like, there's a real good chance, babe. That if God doesn't come through for us, not only are we going to be frozen, right? I'm going to live in Montana. I'm going to be in Montana, hundreds and well, thousands of miles away from my family. I own three homes in Northwest Georgia, none of which have sold. And we're about to buy a fourth one. We're trying to buy some place to live up in Montana. If God does not come through, we're bankrupt, babe. Like really, I mean, I'm, 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 that was the conversation I had with Julie. Then, yeah, so we're bankrupt, right? And so it's like, if God doesn't come through, like, what if God doesn't come through? Just for my family personally, it's like, yeah, boy, there you go. Way to follow God and see what happens. You end up really, really poor and sleeping on the streets. I and mean, I got, got that feeling a little bit, right? 
Now, while you're concerned about that, and I appreciate that for you, but I mean, you have, you have other concerns, like you're concerned about, well, what if God doesn't come through? I've been excited about this move back to the city. Some of you have, right? I'm excited about being able to invite friends who wouldn't drive all the way out here in the middle of nowhere. Well, what if it feels different? What if it's not the same environment? And what if it isn't the same church and it doesn't work the same way? And what if they come and they don't like it? What if God doesn't just move in the way that I need him to so they'll know him? What if God, when that happens, doesn't draw them to himself? I mean, I think somehow, in some way, we've created this environment that thinks that you bring them to me, you know, like church says, you know, you catch them, we'll clean them or whatever. And that somehow in our dilemma, I'm the cleaner. And I'm like, man, I don't even touch fish and bones. That stuff's just as gross to me, you know? And so it's like, you got, you got that model. And so you're feeling that pressure. And I, again, I'm not making light of it. I understand this pressure, right? We're moving into the middle of back into downtown in Rome and it's a much smaller space. It's about a little less than half the size of this, maybe even a third the size of this. And we're like, man, we want to love homeless people. What if the whole thing's just taken over by homeless people, which is awesome. They're warm. But then what if we don't have enough money to pay for our bills and how, you know, all these different things. And so we're all wondering. So I just want us to address it. What if God doesn't come through? What if he doesn't? So let me pray. Because it seemed really foolish for me to offer you answers. I'm, in some ways, abandoning you all. I'm leaving you all. You'll still be in my mind. I'll still love you. I'll think of you often. We'll come back. I anticipate I'll still preach every now and then, depending on what the pulpit supply rate is. I mean, if y'all don't pay me three or four hundred bucks, I'll come, I'll come gig it from this stage, right? Come gig it up on this stage, you know? I'm like, hey, I'm going to be in town. Want to pay me a couple hundred bucks? I'll come preach. Or, you know, I'm just joking. I'm actually, <laughs> really, I think I'm joking. We'll see. We'll see how it works out for us in Montana. <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, so I'm, I, I just feel like it'd be wrong for me to offer you this comfort and then be the guy who goes. Like, I can look at Briggs and say, hey, buddy, it's going to be all right, because daddy's going to make sure you're not hungry. You know, our Heavenly Father is, but I promise you, if he doesn't come through, I will walk in someplace with a nine millimeter, and I will get you some bread. I'm just telling you, buddy. I know that sounds crazy, right? But I mean, I'm just saying, I'll, I'll take care of you. Can't tell you guys that, okay? So because of that, I'm, for the record, I don't even own a gun, but I've been told I probably need one in Montana because I'm going to shoot big animals out there. I'm going to chase them down, and I'm going to shoot them, and then I'm going to gut them, and I'm going to eat them raw, okay? So, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so it just makes sense that I wouldn't be the one to do this. Let me pray, and I mean this. I mean, this, let me, let's get back to where we need to go. And then I'm going to ask, and we're going to ask that God would just speak to us through his word, which, in my opinion, he's never let us down there. Okay? And I don't anticipate he's going to today. So let me just pray for us. And then we're going to jump into Daniel chapter 3. I think it'll be fun. But I think we'll be able to take a really deep breath at the end of this. And then we'll worship, and it'll be good. Uh, Jesus... Ah, just confess, Lord. Right now I'm sad. Like, I'm just sad. Like, I know that there's a lot of anxiety and excitement, and there's just something really great about hearing from you. And Julie and I know that you spoke to us. I think our staff is at the point that at this church know that you spoke. And so, God, that's really exciting. That's really exciting. Like, but I Imagine as Paul, and I'm in no way, God, trying to compare myself to someone of that magnitude in your scripture. But I just imagine that goodbyes never got easier. And the weight always still hurt. And I imagine every step as people were being sent to pour themselves out for the gospel. God, I just imagine that there still was sadness. And there still was anxiety. Lord, I just imagine that had to be the case. And God, I just confess, I feel that. I don't just feel for me, God. I just, I know the people in this room. And frankly, God, I 
love them dearly. Like dearly. Ah, I love them. And I so want them to know you. And I so want them to be fully alive in you. And I so want them to find great comfort and hope in you. And I know that your word says that you provide a peace that passes all understanding. And that you're near to the brokenhearted. And I believe those things. And yet, God, I just frankly, there's a part of my heart that's just sad right this second as I look at these folks and think, I love them. I baptized them. I prayed with them. God, like those things, that part's messy. So Lord, um, I guess my prayer is, would you remove me from this and my emotions from this? And would you allow us to center on your son, Jesus, who is our hero, who is our senior pastor, who is our leader, who is our guide, who is our rescuer, who is our salvation, who is our restorer? Like who is our only hope? Who is truth? Would you allow every bit of what's going to happen over the next few minutes to be focused on him as hero and nothing else? And Jesus, you say in Isaiah 55 that when your word is presented, it never returns void. And I am banking on that today. I believe that wholeheartedly, that your word is true. And I know there are skeptics and cynics in this room. And God, I love that we're a church that welcomes skeptics and cynics. Because Jesus, we can't save We can't do any of those things. Only you can. Only you can speak. Only you can restore. And so, Jesus, we're going to trust that your word's going to speak and restore and bring hope and peace and joy to us. So in the words of John the Baptist, Lord, may I decrease and may you increase. Like, God, even to the point of muteness or death or whatever you need for you to get glory and for people to see you as hero and hope and comfort today, that would be really great news. And we will celebrate it. So, Jesus... I love that your word's timeless. I love that we can peek hundreds of years into before you even showed up on this earth and see you in your word and find hope in it. So I pray these things in your name. Amen. So we're in Daniel chapter 3. The, 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 little, the little bumper video caught us up to speed. Uh, first, uh, uh, you know, there was this king, David. He was a good guy. Had Solomon. We're not going to review the whole thing. They had, to, had sons and sons and sons. And they finally get to Roy, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. And there's kind of like this fight. And they both want to be king, right? You know, just get this battle. They're not even brothers. They just happen to have names that rhyme with each other, just in case someone would write, write a poem about them. And so Rehoboam and Jeroboam, they become kings. One becomes king of Israel. The other becomes king of Judah. If you don't know much about the story, they basically were 12. 12 sons that Jacob had, 12 of them, right? And they had all these sons, and these sons became tribes, like groups and groups and groups of people, right? The longer it gets, the bigger the family tree gets, right? You know, that's just how it works. Groups and groups of people, it gets divided, and you get the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. Israel becomes disobedient a little bit faster, and God just basically says, okay, you want to have it your own way? Have it your own way, and God just releases his provision from them. He says, you want to stick your middle finger at me? You think you have a better plan? Go at it. See what you can do, and the next thing you see is these Israelites under the kingdom of Israel fall into captivity. Last week we talked about Josiah, and Josiah was kind of the last good king, began at eight, by the age of 28, kind of started having Passover, started destroying all these idols and all these false gods, and they started pointing back to a God who provides and saves and restores, and even celebrating the Passover, which was a, you know, a, a pointing to a future future and both a past rest, you know, restoration rescue and a future restoration rescue in Jesus. So they were doing that. Skip ahead a little while and eventually Judah, you know, like a little ADD boy gets distracted and chases after some little flashing light. And next thing they know, God has said, again, you want to have it your way? Go for it. Right? We wrestle with it. How could a loving God send people to hell? The truth is we send ourselves there. 
right? All hell is, is a trajectory of us having our own way for eternity, right? You see it in gluttony. You see it in addiction. Just someone saying, I have no self-control. I have no parameters. I want what I want when I want it. You just see it. Hell was just that propensity into all eternity away from God with weeping and gnashing of teeth. So God releases his, his provision. He releases his, you know, defense, his coverage of them. And they all end up in slavery, which is a nice term. Because essentially that's what sin is. Sin is slavery. Sin is bondage, right? Paul even talks about in Romans, he says, the very things I don't want to do, I do do. Like, I don't want to do those things, but I'm still a slave. I'm still in bondage to them, right? There are things that you made commitments to this week that you said you would never do again, and yet you found yourself last night doing them again, right? You find yourself in bondage and slavery in the Israelites, all of them, all these people, God's chosen people, all are in bondage, all are in slavery, and it's just really really bad news. But what we find out in Daniel is there are a couple of good guys, right? One who created this really good fast that people do at the new, beginning of the year where they only eat nuts and berries, Daniel. And then you got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and that's who we're going to look at today. And, but there's this kind of there's three people, three groups of people that I kind of want us to look at today. We got the king, we got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we got one more we'll talk about at the end. And first, you got Nebuchadnezzar, a really good name, right? Don't try to spell it, especially if you're not good at writing those Zs like Adam Sandler was and, you know, whatever, Billy Madison, you know, the a Rizzuto. Or, but, so Nebuchadnezzar is, um, is this king, and uh, Nebuchadnezzar, like kings do, uh, gets really, really prideful. He thinks that he is owed a lot. He thinks, in fact, to the point that he deserves to be worshipped. And it'd be really easy for us to kind of point at that and think, Gosh, that's so arrogant. But as I was working through this, I don't have any notes, just me and the Bible today, but I was processing through it today, um, this week. I was thinking, I think I've done that, like Nebuchadnezzar. I think, I think I've been there. Like, frankly, in all honesty, and this is embarrassing, but hey, I want to be honest. I think I've even been there with you guys, like thinking, they should appreciate me more. I mean, don't they know I have a master's in theology? Like, I teach them the Bible every week. Don't they, shouldn't they appreciate, shouldn't they, they show up with their journals and notebooks and want to take this stuff like somehow I have something to offer you? Not that I wanted you to bow down and worship me. In some way, I did, though. You do the same thing with your kids. How dare you, kid? Don't you know I feed you? And he's like, didn't you know you and mommy, y'all had a little glass of wine, and the next thing you know, I'm here, and you kind of became responsible for that, didn't you, mommy and daddy, right, or whatever it is. Like, so we walk ourselves through it. Like, somehow we position ourselves in a place where we think someone should appreciate more. And I'm not saying we shouldn't appreciate, we shouldn't encourage all those things. But Nebuchadnezzar just again follows that propensity, that trajectory to a pretty, a very unhealthy spot. And he creates this 90 foot gold statue and basically says, you know what? I'm the king. If it weren't for me, you wouldn't have a kingdom. You wouldn't have protection. You worship me. You celebrate me. You thank me. I did not get enough cards at King Appreciation Day. And so I'm going to, you know, institute some new policies. The new policy is I want every bit of gold melted, build a build, build king, big statue king deal. Nope, make my abs look better. There you go. That's the statue, 90 feet, three times the size of this building right here. And I want people to come and bow and kiss it and love it and say, ooh, I love the king, right? That's what Neb does. And that's where we find ourselves. And frankly, Neb is pretty clear that there is no other alternative. It's not like you could do that or, you know, do some other kind of religion. It's not like you could do that or do something else. It was like, no, 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 no. You obediently bow down to the king. And so, like all people, like us, I want to be clear what I mean by all people, 
like us. The people in Babylon, the Israelites, just jump into that current. And they just follow in line like little minions. The horns blow daily and they get down on their faces and they say, Oh, great Neb. And they justify, Well, I'll go in the corner and also pray to God later. Or I'll go feed a hungry person on one day. But I'm going to jump into this current. I'm going to bow down before this king because I believe this king holds my future. And it's real easy to just think, how ridiculous of them, right? And yet, the things we bow down to aren't necessarily a big gold statue. What we bow down to, our God, if we're just being honest, right, is just comfort and security. We bow down to our bank account, right? We've talked about in the past, and again, I don't want to harp on this and have big, long arguments about it, but they literally, they were, they were and Israelites were murdering babies to Malek. They were murdering them, saying, this Malek provides for us, and we think that's so ridiculous. And it's like, no, we just do it differently. We just murder babies for our comfort and our convenience, right? So our God that we bow down to on a daily basis is, our comfort and our convenience, right? Like we think God may be calling us to do something. We're like, yeah, but that requires money. Or that requires things to be a little different, right? And I, I, I like what I have now. I like the comfort of where I am now. And so we're not much different than these folks. Who they just, it's just a, in fact, in some ways, I really appreciate, you know, the thing I like about Montana is that they're just really honest, right? They're just really honest. Like, um, they'll just look at me and say, I don't like your hair, right? Just like that. It's like, Great. I don't like your hair either, right? You know, it's not a big deal, you know? Thought, well, you know, they, they, they're, just, they're just really blunt. There is no facade. There's not that southern, you know, that southern charm we have, which means we've got to dig three or four layers or wait till someone who heard from someone who heard from someone how that person can't believe that it looks like you've been eating too many Krispy Kreme donuts, right? They'll just say, whoa, those are some nice love handles you got there. I got a pocket knife. You want me to cut those off for you? And I'm like, or I'll be like, you know, I used to play basketball in college. And they'll look at me and be like, yeah, I can, I can tell you're a basketball player. <laughs> no, 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 really. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. See it all in your, like, yeah, I can see it in your physique. Really athletic, right? Whatever it is, right? Just really, really honest. The thing I appreciate about what's going on with Nebuchadnezzar here and this bowing down the statue, it's like, well, at least it's blatant that what they're doing is wrong. We can justify it a little better, right? No, we're just trying to get up the corporate ladder because if I can make more money, I can give more money away or whatever it is. And we have all these facades that we walk through. So literally, Nebuchadnezzar announces every day, I'm literally the person you worship. Worship me. If you don't, you die. Pretty clear. Ours is a little more confusing. We're like, well, I got to cut my grass and put in these bushes because a neighbor did. And so people think I'm impressive. Or I got people that I need to post this status on Facebook so people think my life's together because that person's life's together. And ours is a lot more complicated. It's just the same culture. We just do it differently. So theirs is real blatant and real blunt. So they bow down every day. And there's these Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Who are like, okay, there's a, there's a problem here because we I've read the Torah, and we've heard from our fathers, we've heard from their fathers, we've heard from their fathers, that we only worship God, that God alone provides, that God alone is our source of provision and comfort, and he alone holds our future. And so you want us to bow down to these things, but that doesn't jive, that doesn't go with what God would have us to do. And 
frankly, we feel like we can't have our allegiance to both things, which is interesting because Scripture's really pretty clear about that, and mostly about money, which is the thing you don't want to talk about anyway, right? And so it's like we can't both do that and worship God, and so they decide not to, right? And so you can imagine it gets pretty dangerous because this is death or life for these people. This is death or life. And so in Daniel chapter 3, verse 8 I just want to catch you up to speed. So they've been bowing down every day, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego haven't been bowing down. And you know the story. It turns out well for them. Let's just walk through it anyway, okay? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So uh, they've been bowing down, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego haven't been, so they start with therefore, right? Which means because they haven't been bowing down, there's some good stuff that's about to happen. Therefore, at that certain time, Sheldon's came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. So these people are like, and you know it, right? You're like... If I got to bow down, you're going to bow down. And so they're upset about it, and they decide to go tell on these little Jewish kids who are doing the right thing. And they say this. Uh, they declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, Old Nebi, O king, live forever, right? Like, let's go kiss his butt, bottom. Sorry. Sorry about that. You know, yeah, uh, I, used, I used to use a lot worse language, and then I had kids, and you just don't anymore. It's interesting how that happens. Um, not like really bad language. Well, yeah, I did. It's, Sorry, Mom. Uh, you have, O King, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every... It's so funny. It's like, I didn't know there was a, there's Irish people there. It's like, how about that? Irish people. Daniel chapter 3, in the kilts. <laughs> Never knew that. There you go. That's, all, that's actually the point of the day. In the Old Testament, Irish people existed, okay? There you go. So you can celebrate St. Patrick's Day what you do anyway, and you just bow down to a different God. It just happens to be colored green that day. Okay. And every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. They burn to death, right? So let's see. Uh, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. There are certain Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys over here, right? Uh, these men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So they're tattling, right? They deserve to die. If I got to do it, they don't. They die, we live, right? That's how it works. I, I, you know, I do the right thing in culture. I obey our culture. They want to obey this imaginary God somewhere, right? Then Nebuchadnezzar, in uh, furious rage, Commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. So they, here they go. Here they are. Here it is. This is kind of the, the big moment, right? Imagine it. King, throne, staff, cobra head. I imagine that's what's on the king's staff. That's what I'd put on it if I were king. Um, be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true? Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, thanks for throwing that O oh, in there, king, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I've set up. Have you not set up? Have you not seen my abs on that statue? How can you not worship it? Right? Still holding the thing. Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, and the Irishmen, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I've made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? I'm sorry, I'm not laughing that they're about to get burned. It's like, oh my gosh, like I so feel Nebuchadnezzar pains are here. Briggs, if you don't do that right now, I'm going to count to three. If you don't put that up, I'm going to spank you. One, Two, three. Briggs, I mean this. If you do not put this up, I am going to put you on my knee and I'm going to spank you and I'm going to spank Sophia, who's not even a year old and it's going to be your fault. One, two, Briggs. You know, 
I feel it. Like poor Nebuchadnezzar. Here he is the same thing, saying the same thing. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to count to three. If you're ready to worship, that's good. Difference is Nebuchadnezzar has, you know, better boundaries. He's read, read Henry Cloud. And John Townsend, he's like, nope, this is passing over my boundaries. There we go. And this is what it says. And uh, so not willing to do that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, pay attention. In my opinion, best scripture in the Old Testament. Well, there's a lot of it. Best, best scripture in the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Old Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> we don't even have to answer you on this matter. See this? Here he is making these threats. Like these, this, is, this is the picture of your anxiety, right? You deal with it. Seth Godin says anxiety is just failing in advance. Pretty good thought, right? That we live in all this anxiety, imagining what could happen in our future. So here Nebuchadnezzar is threatening the future and he says, like, we don't have to answer you on this, right? In some ways, there's such a good principle. And this isn't the point of the day. I want to point you to Jesus, but there's something really good in this, right? Like, you don't, do you hold your future? Do you know what's going to happen tomorrow? Can you predict it? Like, with any level of certainty, right? So it's like, why in the world would you answer, a, you know, a, a fear of the future that you have no control of? So in some ways, he's saying, hey, look. We're not going to even answer you on this. You don't hold our future, you silly little bitty king, right? But that's what they say instead. We, we have no need to answer you on this. If this be so, listen to this. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he'll deliver us out of your hand, O king. Here's what I believe. And please, please, this is, don't, don't keep, keep this screen here, right? I believe blessings follow obedience. I believe homeless people will be warm in Rome, Georgia, because we're doing this. I believe addicts, all sorts of addicts of all sorts of types, will be healed because we're going back to Somerville. I believe hungry people all over our communities are going to come and get food. And they're not going to realize, they think they're just going to be fed, but that's just making it simple for them to connect to God. And they're going to get a full belly and they're going to hear about Jesus. And I believe people are going to be transformed because of this. I believe that. Like, I am actually not going to believe it. I am confident in that. Here's why. Because that's what Jesus does. Jesus redeems people. Jesus restores people. Read the book of Acts. I don't care if it's 2,000 years old and our Western church hasn't operated that way. Dead people were raised back to life, right? That, that really happens. Like that, that still was happening in Eastern culture. Go read about what's happening in China right now. Watch how the community of believers are being mar martyred and they're still declaring how good God is. Read the book of Acts and watch how 11 of these disciples and then more of them who all went literally to the death because it didn't matter to them because some evil king or some tyrant or religious leader did not hold their future. God did. I believe it. I believe with everything I am, you guys will change this region. And I actually believe you'll do it better because I'm not here because you'll stop depending on me. I really believe that. We had a conversation three weeks ago or a month ago as we were wrestling through this. And honestly, in the conversation, I believe I'm your bottleneck. I believe the spirit is pouring itself in a funnel. And I think every single bit of it has had to be discerned through me, which is not godly and it's not biblical. So I believe now the spirit gets to pour and it doesn't have to go pour through Josh. It pours from you who has the Holy Spirit living inside you. And you get to go change the world. And I'm not playing this martyrdom. We are here because G Julie and I obediently said God will do whatever. 
but we're leaving again because Julie and I have said, God, we'll do whatever, right? So if God is calling us to that, I truly believe blessings follow obedience. So I believe we don't have to bow down to some model or some form or some steeple. I do. I believe we get to pour ourselves out to our communities, and it won't be like you'll suffer for it. You will find great joy and great peace because of it. Read what happens when Stephen gets stoned in Acts 5. The Israelites freak out, and they run in all sorts of places. But guess what goes with them? The gospel. And it goes everywhere. We're going back to both cities, and the gospel's going with you. When you get up in the morning, you go to work. The gospel is with you. You don't got to bring them back here. You're taking the gospel to them. Yes, we will be a place that'll be a light that you can come and re, get relit, that you can come be cared for, that you can come be held in accountability and you can worship Jesus together and get refueled. That's all the case. But you don't need some guy barking orders from a stage for the gospel to expand. You don't. So as we go forward and we move, yes, there'll still be leaders. Yes, we'll still be begging the Lord. Yes, we'll still have organization and structure because it's, it's, it's good to have stewardship. It's good to have accountability. It's really good to have a plan. But I believe with everything I am, I mean this, that God is going to come through in an incredible way. And you're going to look back in a year and you're going to be so glad I'm gone. And you're going to be so glad that y'all obeyed Jesus. You are. Because blessings follow obedience right? We're saying, well, if God will work out all the details, then we'll go. And it's like, where is your faith? Blessings follow me. So I believe that. So here we got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying, look, here's the deal. You think you want me to bow down to that big golden abs, eight of them? You only got those eight abs there. Let me poke that. And he's like the little, you know, you want me to bow down to that? Are you going to, you're going to kill me, Shadrach? You're going to kill me, Nebuchadnezzar? Listen, we, first of all, first of all, no, 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 you don't talk right now. I'm, no, 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 zip it, Nebuchadnezzar. Zip. And he's like all raging, red-eared and just, you know, angry. And he's like, zip, 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 you know, over and over. I see it and I love it. And he says, we don't have to answer. But if we are going to answer, here's what I'll tell you. God has us. Like he has us. If this be our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. So we've told you. Look, we've heard from God. I've literally had to go to our staff and say, it's going to get hard. And I'm telling you, this week has been one of those weeks where I'm going to want to just stay. And you're going to tell me, no, you go. You have to go. You have to go. You'd be disobedient to stay. We're kicking you off the boat regardless because you would be disobedient for you to stay, right? We've heard from God. The last four months we've been praying and fasting. We know we're supposed to go back in both cities. God has given us facilities in both cities that can be right in the middle of places where people can walk and lower income places where we can serve. All that's the case. So that's the good news. But that doesn't answer your question still, right? But what if God doesn't come through? I want you to see their next statement. God will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But... If not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. But if not, but if not, let me still be clear. We're still not going to worship you because you're not God. Right? Let's just be clear. God's going to come through because that's what God does. But if he doesn't, it doesn't mean my hope's in a new car. 
It doesn't mean some other charismatic personality is going to save the day. It doesn't mean new clothes, new wife, new kid. None of those things. They're not going to fix the problem either. The only solution we have is God. So we're putting all of our eggs in that basket. And if he decides not to come through, well, we're in trouble, but we've always been in trouble. Because control is an illusion. I could have cancer right now, and the doctor just may not have told me yet. It's all an illusion. So Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to bow to your little statue. Is that saying somehow you provide our hope and our future and our joy, and you just don't? So either we're going to bow to God and say God's going to come through, but if he doesn't, I'm not going to go down chasing after something temporal. It seems silly. You know, uh, we came to a birthday party here yesterday, and uh, it was Anna Sullivan's birthday party, and they had balloons, and so they were giving out balloons. They were stomping them, making a loud noise, and I was ticking, and like, oh, and such a loud noise. And they were giving balloons at the end, and Amelia got a red balloon, and it was a bigger balloon than, than Briggs got. That was a white balloon, and our whole ride home was just miserable. I got a six-and-a-half-year-old, and Amelia now is three, not two and three corners. Like, she used to tell you, she's actually three now. And so she is, of course, she's got some power over Briggs, and she's, like, showing him the red balloon. And literally, like, he's lost it. Like, he is sobbing. And so we're in the car, and, you know, like, I, you know, I, have, I took a couple of counseling classes in seminary. I'm thinking I can handle this. And so I'm like, buddy, let's talk about this. And we got to the point, and I think we've gotten pretty good here, where he, you know, I was like, Dad, we've got to come up with a solution to this problem. I need, we've got to fix this. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm doing so good. I've taught this kid to quit screaming and whining about a balloon. And instead, let's talk about a solution. So I'm like, that's good, good buddy, good buddy. What do you think the solution is? And he's sobbing. Dad, I just don't know. And he's like literally sobbing. I'm having to like drive me on the car. And like, I'm literally, I'm, I'm telling you, like I, because of all this, I have lots of anxiety. My ears are red. And I'm like, I, Julia, I could just beat him, right? I could just beat him. Or, I mean, honestly, to be honest with you, if we don't beat him, I think my parents are here and they're about to go back to Florida. We could just sit, you know, like, we could send him money and he could, they could just raise him from down there and they could give him red balloons. I don't really care, you know? And so I'm wrestling through that. And so we're having this conversation and he's sobbing. And finally he says, Dad, I mean, I'm, I'm working through trying to find a fix and I'm having it like, and this is all true. I'm not making a single bit of something. He says, but the only solution is, Dad, the only way I'm going to be able to be happy in life is to have a red balloon. <laughs> tells me. And so you know what I want to do? Like I have this really great plan on my like, Julie. As soon as we get home, look, I want to you just go get me the red balloons out of the playroom and I'm going to go and I've had this plan, right? <sighs> Blow it up, give it to me and say, here you go, buddy, and get it. And he's like, ah, I'm finally so happy. And I'm going to take it and go, stop, loud noise and say, now yeah, what are you going to do, boy? Huh? Life over? Huh? Is it? Is it over? Just going to be miserable forever? Julie instead, because she's wiser and smarter than me. <laughs> says to him as he's sitting in the back of the car, buddy, your problem isn't a red balloon. Your problem is an ungrateful heart. I'm like, yeah, that's good. So so she's like, got a white balloon right here. Got lots of friends. Got lots of toys. And yet you're so transfixed on that red balloon that you think that's the only thing in the world that's going to save you. Problem isn't a red balloon. You're ungrateful for all the things that you do have. Right? I see the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I can imagine, right? Like, they're saying, Shadrach, hey, Neb, you think you're going to destroy me and end up in a fiery furnace? You have no idea 
than the amount of blessing we've already lived in by following God. You have no idea. By not bowing down to some statue, by not living in a feared control of that statue being our hope, we know it's not. The truth is, you're going to die one day. And that statue's going to melt in 2,000 years from now. It's not going to even exist. So why in the world would we put our hope in that? Truth is, God's been really good to us. Somehow he's putting us in a position to even lead and care for people underneath us here. God's already came through. So why would we walk away from what God has already done and why would we not continue to follow him obediently? Hey, buddy, 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 it's a red balloon. Someday that balloon's going to pop. It did as soon as I got home. Zeus, our dog, ate it, and I was so happy. So happy. And then he choked on it, and I had to regurgitate him, and he vomited all over me. That part's not true, but it just made the story better. <laughs> but it's like, and the truth is, we can read the rest of the story. God comes through. Not only does he come through, he gets thrown in the furnace. It's so hot, the bad guys die on the outside. And then they look in, and they're like, there's a fourth guy there. Jesus, you know, that's just, a, you know, again, just like a, you know, like a, 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 Jesus shows up on the scene hundreds of years before. He's like, Daddy, I know I'm going to go as a baby now, but do you mind if I go and save them right now? They're some pretty good guys. They love me. Goes down, saves them, right? Then you see the story, right? Nebuchadnezzar looks in, and he's amazed, as he should be, right? He's amazed as he should be. And uh, you can read this. I just want us to wrap it up here. Uh, he's amazed as he should be, and he says, okay. That can't be something natural, right? By definition, supernatural means not defined by anything natural, right? Like the world we live in. You might get down to two atoms banging together if that's where you want to start, but the thing before that was supernatural, meaning it can't be defined naturally. You're looking at it like, yeah, hey, I know there's three, and there's a fourth one. It looks like the Son of Man. Some say an angel, God, Jesus, right? We didn't put that person in there. They showed up, saved, and he brings them out. And then all of a sudden, everything changes. All of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar begins to worship and celebrate Jesus, worship and celebrate God, or who's going to provide the Messiah, Jesus, later. The whole nation begins to worship Jesus. Here's what I'll tell you. First and foremost, what if God doesn't come through? God always comes through. Okay? God always comes through. Always. Rarely does he show up early, but he has never, ever in the history of the world showed up late. God always comes through. God always comes through. And when we obey him, here's what happens. People always see Jesus. When you obediently follow him, people are going to see Jesus. I believe, I was telling Julie, we're actually moving into a pretty sketchy area of Billings, both on, intentionally because we want to love that community and be on mission there. The other part is we can't afford anything else. And I'm, I'm telling Julie, I believe the entire region is going to meet Jesus because we obeyed. I believe the guy we're buying the house from who has clearly told me he's an agnostic. His name's Josh. Joshua with a W. Do it on in there. Joshua, you know? <laughs> nice guy. Agnostic. Grew up evangelical. Went to an evangelical Bible college. Lost it all. I believe he's going to come back to Jesus because we're going. I believe it. Because God always does what he says he's going to do. And we obey. He uses us as vessels to change the world. Our only objective has always been your objective here and my objective in Montana. And we'll all celebrate it for all eternity. It's to remove every obstacle we possibly can for people to see Jesus. The issue is they can't see Jesus because there's all this junk in the way. They're cold. They're hungry. They're angry. Somebody's misled them and mistreated them spiritually, right? They're abused. They're addicts. They've, they've filled their holes with so many things. They, there's just all sorts of messiness, right? 
Only objective will never change. So we're going to spend the rest of our life removing every possible ob- obstacle. Luke 3, 6, Jesus said, all mankind will know God's salvation. He's quoting Isaiah 40, John the Baptist says, and he says, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him, move every mountaintop, fill in every valley, make every crooked path straight so that all mankind can know God's salvation. We're going to Rome, we're going to Silver, I'm going to Montana because we're making straight paths for people who don't know him. And God's going to come through. God's going to come through. Now, here's what I'll tell you. I don't know how he's going to come through. Some of the disciples, all of them actually, they died. Frankly, I may die in Montana. I really may. Hope not, but like not, like all those things, right? But here's what I'll tell you. i tell you that as I shape this for us, this is the last time preaching, so this is probably less evangelical than usual. Come back next week. Abraham Carrillo is actually going to be teaching next week. I'll still be here. It'll be lots of fun. And I guarantee he's going to tell you all about Jesus and give you the opportunity to follow him. So next week you get that, okay? But this is my last time, so I just want you to hear this, right? I want you to pray. And as you pray, I want you to pray that God would use you, not me, you in Rome or in Somerville. You pick the city, flip a coin if you're in between, right? You pick the city and say, God, you use me and you use our church to make it simple for people to connect to God. God, would, would homeless people find homes and, would, and you, you know, would, would hungry people find food, but ultimately would all that be used so they can see you, Jesus, and God, would you open up the doors to the supernatural people would see miracles and know that you're real and that you're gracious. God, would you create environments where we worship you well and people walk in and say, that's gotta be Jesus. Will you pray that? Pray it. Continue to pray it. Pray and ask God to use you in those cities, right? And I'll do the same thing in Montana, right? Here's what I'll tell you. I promise you this. You can count on this. God will either answer that prayer or the prayer you would pray if you could see as God sees. Hear me? If you pray that prayer, God will answer it. I promise you. Or if he doesn't answer that prayer, I promise you he would answer the prayer that you would want to pray if you could see and know as God knows. Pray the prayer. God, help me be obedient. I, if, if you don't want to come through in this way, would you just use me in any way that you possibly can? God, use me to change these cities. Use my, my, my gifts, my talents, and would your Holy Spirit come and fill me so that I can pour myself out in our community. And I promise you if you pray the prayer, God will answer it. If he does not answer that prayer, he will be answering the prayer that you would pray if you could see as God sees and know what God knows. I promise you. I am 100% confident that last thing I heard God to tell me to tell you guys, I mean that, and I'm not trying to be this extra spiritual. I believe that. Pray that God would use you. He's going to answer that prayer. If he doesn't answer that prayer, he's going to answer the prayer that you would pray if you could see and know God fully. Okay. So what's going to happen is the band's going to come back up. And we're going to sing a song called It Is Well With Our Soul. Ratio Spafford wrote it. I don't know if you know the story. Uh, I'm not going to walk you all the way through the story, but Horatio first uh, lost family members in a mess and all of his money in a fire in Chicago, decides to move to Europe and do some things, hops in a boat and sends his family uh, ahead of him. And they go in the boat and the boat sinks and he loses the rest of his family other than his wife. He doesn't know. He hears a story. And finally, he, uh, he gets like a telegram back and it just says, from his wife, it says, saved alone, meaning all of his children, everything else is gone. So ratio, and then I can tell you the story of how they moved to the Middle East, lots of great stuff that happened afterwards. But he gets that deal, and he is going to meet his wife in Europe. And as he's driving past or, fly, or floating past, wherever that works in a boat, uh, the captain says, this is the area where that boat was uh, sunk and people's lives are lost. And at that moment, he writes this hymn. 
And then the helmet says, whatever my lot thou hast caught, taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Here's the good news, guys. Some of you, I mean, I hope I'm back, I think, right? Some of you may never see me again on the stage. In fact, you'll never see me again. I mean, maybe tomorrow we'll talk, next Sunday we'll talk. But I'll probably never preach. I mean, I won't, I won't preach on the stage again. We'll probably see each other. I'll come back. But I just want you to understand. We have all eternity to hang out. And it'll be a lot of fun, I promise. Your family. Your family for all eternity, right? We have a very small and limited window by which we get to pour ourselves out and pour our families out and pour our marriages out for the sake of the gospel. And I don't think you should waste a moment. So they're going to lead us in, in singing. And when you're ready, you can stand and you can sing. But before then, I want you to pray. I want you to pray. I want you to say, God, use me. And you say, God, I don't even think you're real. Speak to me so that you can use me. God, reveal to me how I serve you. Do I serve homeless people? Do, do I serve addicts? Do I serve abused women? What do you want me to serve? And how do you want me to serve them? Do I serve kids? God, whatever it is, what do you want me to serve? And I will do that. Ask him. Ask him. He'll speak and then obey and do what he says. And then we'll have all eternity to celebrate the fact that this region and this world were changed because a few people were really obedient to him. So I'm going to pray and we're going to sing.